What is up, Asymmetry? What's going on, y'all? We had the opportunity to circle back with Jonathan Cross after a strong hiatus from Asymmetry to celebrate the release of a revisiting body of work from Jonathan's grad school days, the soda firing, and uh, his most uh, up-to-date selection of ceramics that we are launching. Uh, fantastic to catch up with Jonathan. It's always such a pleasure. We've become quite good friends over time and over our collaboration. And I and I am super excited for everybody to have access to these soda-fired pieces because you are traveling back in time as well as moving forward in time in Jonathan's body of work. Uh, pleasure to share. Pleasure to converse. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jonathan Cross. Jay Cross, you Jedi Knight looking son of a bitch, you. How you doing? I'm doing good. <laughs> I think we're actually rocking and rolling now. I think this we're I think good. we're ready yes. to I think we're ready to take off. Yes. Run, run on schedule. That this took, went really well. Yeah. This went really yeah, well. This has been well, really hey, thanks for meeting <laughs> up. We'll catch pleasant. up again another time. Sorry. Uh -huh. <laughs> now that we've worked out all our tech issues, we'll do this again sometime. Yes. <laughs> How what are, are you? What are you guys drinking there? What's in their cups? Mm. I got a little stout. Yeah, this is, uh, what is this? Full Dub sale? Double IPA. Apparently, we're going nice. full octane, haze of the gods. It takes a special person to drink double IPA. Mm. I'm doing a little... It comes with a sippy race. cup. <laughs> a sippy cup. I'm doing a little Racia Uno. That a Una. Is that a big deal? It's like a, like a mezcal. Uh -huh. It's not a big deal. It's oh. just tasty. Oh. Just congratulating him on his choice. Even no, no I, every, time, <laughs> every time that I hang out with Jonathan Cross, it's a new mezcal or, you know. Y y oh, I'm in, I'm in deep. I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Uh, if you make if you make tequila cups that cool, you better drink a lot of tequila. That's the deal. Yes. Yes, indeed. I totally feel the cups, that. I can't keep up with the cups, man. Really? Yeah, I just I have none except my private collection and I'm going to I've got like orders from three sources wow. for the next batch. How long uh, does it take you to make a cup? It's um uh, it's weird cuz I work on like 40 of them at a time and that'll take maybe a week but not like a solid eight hour a day week right like like just takes time yeah and then the, that's just the carving and the drying and stuff that doesn't include the firing the firings in a couple of days we uh yeah tell me about uh the move to the desert this is this is happening this has come together yes i am uh super fortunate that uh I was able to buy the property finally. Fantastic. So that's my it's my first time I've actually bought property in the United States of America. Boom. <laughs> Boom. Uh, that's a major play. It only took 41 years to figure out. Yeah, man. Some people, um, some people never pull that trigger. Yep. Yes. So, uh, yeah, now I can just invest all of this capital from all, you know, what I'm doing into something I own mm -hmm. and uh, it feels a lot better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Santa Monica was fantastic. I got to use a forklift and a bigger kiln and I had a wonderful client, Jim Jacobson, who was uh, funding a lot of this stuff and being generous with his money and space to help me expand my repertoire. Um, but that model wasn't quite working out for like a Santa Monica kind of situation. Right. 
And so we just, uh, we're parting ways on good terms and I get to move on to the next thing. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, this has been a long time in the coming, right? It's just a matter of how to get yeah. it done. Was it going to, was that property going to be the one, et cetera? So how did this all yeah. kind of work out and transpire? And and then is the fam coming out too, or are they going to stay no. in LA? They're going to stay in Pasadena mm-hmm. in LA. Uh, we've got a really good school for the kids. So that's kind of a, uh, important sacrifice to make for their future. Yeah. Especially right now. Uh, it's still, it's been like in person almost the whole time and the teachers are making a big effort and the administration's making a big effort to keep them in the class and crank it along. Nice. Uh, so it's been, that's been really important mm-hmm. and they're not going to have that opportunity in wonderful 29 palms, <laughs> you know, they could make friends with some scorpions and some iguanas, but uh, not the kind of kids they're at their school. Now, I would say that uh, they have a higher chance of becoming uh, a dirtbag in 29 Palms than they do in L.A. Yes, yes. Hit the climbing yeah. circuit. Is that, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah. when I was down in Joshua Tree, all of the Joshua Tree National Park people were like, we just we're just national park rangers so that we can climb more. And I was like, I mean, that's one way to go about it. You know, there is a class of sprinter van, you know, uh, folks (laughs) that basically you've got two weeks at a campsite campsites, like $15 a night and you teach rock climbing courses and people from LA drive into the park they pay you to teach them how to rock climb. You've got all the gear in your van. And then your overhead is like your $15 parking space and whatever it costs to run that sprinter van. Mm-hmm. This and, sounds like you can get some food. It could really pencil out. I mean, let's talk about this offline later. I, 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 well, I feel like between <laughs> Jonah and Quentin, you got like two, two uh, yeah. perf- perfectly engineered uh, rock yes. climbing physiques there. Like those two kids are oh, yeah. ready to scale some serious rock faces. I'll show you some videos from our last visit to the <laughs> desert. I was just like, where do they go? And then I look up and they're 20 feet above me. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you're going to fall or something. I call them rock monkeys. Yeah, that's they're great. Just, that's that's a pretty sublime yeah. place as a kid to have a very deep connection to. Like I know. Yeah. It, I, I was that your first time? My first time. My first time. And wow. I didn't understand what you... I didn't understand the whole gig. And honestly, like I was not drawn to Joshua Tree, even remotely curious about it. I was just like, I yeah. don't, I, the desert's not my thing. I know you're drawn to the desert and the geology and you've talked a lot about Joshua Tree. And then I went and I was like, oh, the national yeah. parks don't miss. They don't miss. Yeah. Like that's yeah. a super special pa- place. It was yeah. unbelievable. It's like what a hundred uh, 1.5 million acres of just like the one of the best deserts on the planet. Yeah, no other desert on this planet looks like Joshua Tree. In that place where uh, the two deserts uh, meet each other. Yeah, what is it? The Colorado Desert and the Mojave Desert Mojave. meet each other. That. Like the Joshua tree itself is specta- is a spectacular living organism. I'm all about it. It's super Dr. Seuss-like. C- yeah. Kind of reminds me of like the free form of like a bald cypress. You know, it has like that kind of mm-hmm. unique vibe. 
but man, the greater landscape, the 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 geology when you enter the park from the southern, I guess the southern is it the southern entrance where you enter it, and it just yeah, kind both, of, both sides are at the southern entrance. Joshua oh, they, Tree, or okay. Twenty Nine Palms. Yeah, uh, it, it, but where the two deserts meet, that that really was like I didn't expect that. I wasn't ready for that. Yeah. That was that was too much. That was too much uh, worldly. Uh, complexity coming together yeah. in in a singular space. It was just like, oh wow, because you can see the delineated desert geology flora. Yeah, for I mean, it's just like, how does how does this even happen? Uh, and it's right. Yeah. The, we're so lucky to get to see that. Yeah, California. I mean, it, the whole West Coast, but like California's got the redwoods. Mm-hmm. We've got the the bristlecone pines. The giant sequoias yeah and we've got like it's so funny but like those creosote bushes are the oldest clones on the planet aspens are the second oldest clones but the creosote bush is like a fourteen thousand year old ongoing clone activity like from the root system you mean yeah so like there's king i think there's like four varieties of creosotes for the four different deserts of uh of the Americas, maybe it's three deserts, Sonora, Colorado, Mojave. Is there another one? I can't remember, I, but there's a, I there's don't know a where, I don't of, know where the black rock desert plays into that in the yeah. North, but, but there's a, a creosote variety for each of those deserts. And each one of those creosotes has kind of like a master, like a King clone. And that has been putting roots out and growing new ones for 14, 12 to 14,000 years. Hmm. Um, Have you spent any time in Joshua Tree? Not recently. It's been a long time, but I'm familiar with creosotes. There's a ton in Southern Nevada and it's like a big part of the the landscape. It's just a bush. It means nothing. Like I drive over them with the trucks when we move stuff. I cut them out of the way whenever they're in the way. They don't like have any individual significance but they're like all over the desert and so they have like this like pervasive uh importance mm. i don't know they smell amazing when it rains why do they call um, them a creosote bush because of the question. oils inside maybe? yeah the oils are, are are used for don't they put those on uh telephone poles power poles is that where it comes from i, I think uh, but I think that's a different, that's a mis, is it a misnomer? Is that the Yeah, I term? would think that that's not possible. Yeah, right? there's another tree or another source of creosote. Uh, hmm. I looked into it yeah. one time and it was very clear that those were not the preservatives that were, you know. Yeah. So you're excited though. You're out there now. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you're investing in that facility and mm-hmm. does that mean you're back out in the desert like five days a week and back in four days a week okay and and three days a week in pasadena i'm gonna make cups you know two days a week and spend a day and take a day off with the family uh-huh sundays and then uh monday through thursday just crank on larger work uh this the next few months is not really going to be about making work it's going to be about building studios and organizing and right. cleaning. And, and you rebuilt your well, kiln already out there or are you in the process of that too? So the wood kiln is dead. It's done. I cut that sucker up. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was 
a wonderful kiln produced fantastic wood fired results. I can't even begin to explain how much I appreciate that kiln. Um, but it was not meant to be like a long-term object. And, uh, it came like every time I fired it less and less work came out successful. Mm. And, uh, instead of convincing myself that the next firing was going to be okay, I just cut it up, mm-hmm. uh, to kind of force my hand to do something different. So, uh, I built a soda kiln now and, uh, that's a lot more manageable, you know, working on my own. I can load and fire that without any assistance. And uh, that seems to be kind of the play at this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually I do want to build another wood kiln, but I've got, I, I have to think seriously about, you know, as we get older and stuff, like what you can manage. And, uh, and like, I don't have, you, you really need a crew to fire a wood kiln and uh, you need a community for that. And I'm sure people will come eventually, but I need like a, almost like a on-demand kind of system where it's like, Hey, you six people, you can take two weeks of your life off. Right. And come join me for this adventure. And that's not really an option in the current state of the way people operate, like taking two weeks off of work or whatever you're doing to just drive out to 29 Palms and fire a wood kiln. Maybe that's those, kind of uh, a, that's a maybe those sprinter van I've, folks are looking for a yeah some spare yeah some pay, spare change yeah. pay pay some vagabonds to no I'm just kidding I I actually yeah. don't know that I I mean I think it depends on how many times a year and how qualified you would want the people to be but dang asymmetry's got some reach now you might be getting people yeah. reaching out saying that they want to come help you fire. And I would encourage yeah. people to reach out to Jonathan Cross if you yeah. want to be involved, because you might be surprised, my friend. What is it? Field of dreams? If you if you build it, they will come. That's absolutely yeah. right. Is the yeah. soda is the soda kiln not wood fired then? No. So all of that work that you just received outside of one piece that had been wood fired a while back mm-hmm. was from the soda kiln. There's a few gas fired pieces. Um but all that new kind of stuff that looks wood fired was soda fired. Jeez, and that's all, and that's yeah. driven by gas or electric? Gas. Uh huh. And then yeah. and then you're putting soda into the firing process with gas. Yes. Yeah, so you introduce uh, it's called soda ash. It's a kind of salt, uh, sodium based material, and you introduce that at high temperatures, and the soda reacts with the silica and the clay. To create a glaze and depending on the way that you introduce that you can change the results and God, i'm quite uh, i'm quite happy with it i mean I, it doesn't it's it's different than the wood fired but it's certainly of my wood fire yeah, yeah yeah but it certainly is a but, monumental upgrade from just straight gas firing right i i i i've tried really hard these last two years to get gas kilns to do interesting things and i've succeeded three times you know in terms of surfaces but those surfaces then become predictable Mm -hmm. and uh i get i'm just bored with that i can't i can't open a kiln with like even if it's like a, a successful firing is like 10 giant pieces that come out and they all have the same black glaze on them I'm like, yay, everything looked good, but everything looks the same. Right. The form, the forms are different. And I feel like 
I have this like conversation in my head about like form versus surface. And the, I think the two are not separate from each other. And so the, uh, the soda firing and the wood firing really gives kind of like a, a randomness that can become predictable, but still surprising each time. And like, you just keep changing the shape of the form and the placement of the form in the kiln. You get these interesting results that happen. And you, you get to be surprised. And I want surprises. Well, I was just going to say, it seems to me like the predictability, just the 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 way that you're speaking about it is is maybe just not interesting enough for you. I mean, it's like you kind of thrive yeah. off of, I almost, I'm surprised that you chopped your other kiln up. Did you need to chop <laughs> it up to build the soda kiln? Or did you just no, chop it up I so just, you're like, I don't want to be tempted by this? I don't want to be tempted by this. I need to redo, I need a new wood kiln. So mm-hmm. that that's in the future. Um, but then again, it's with everything, like with the property, with the house, it's like, you know, you need to put new electrical in, but when you're ready to do that, you need to make sure this other thing is ready so you can put the electrical everywhere and not waste money doing this piecemeal. Uh, when the roof is off of the house, that's a good time to like rewire the house because everything's exposed and you can get everything in there real quick. Um, and so like with the wood kiln, it's a perm like the the kiln that I'll build will be a permanent thing. It won't. Uh, it's not gonna last for just like seven years. It's gonna be like a twenty five year old object, maybe even fifty years old. Outlast me. Cool. And, what was the? Uh, so I want to build something that's. You know, I don't. I don't want to build a small kiln because that's what I can afford right now. And then five years later, build a, a medium-sized kiln. And then five years later, build a giant kiln. It's kind of like, let's just be patient and build the giant kiln. <laughs> what was the history uh, because, of the of your previous kiln, the wood kiln? Because I know you had kind of a good relationship oh, with that kiln and, and the work was unbelievable. Yeah. So what, what's the history there? So a buddy of mine made that. I finish up with graduate school. I have no options for firing work outside of like an electric kiln. And uh, I kind of, to be honest, I scorned the kiln when I first saw it. Cause I was like, that's not a wood kiln. <laughs> and, uh, but then I, you know, I kind of talked to the dude um, because he's a friend of mine, Steve Davis. And uh, I was like, Hey, what are you doing with that kiln? Cause maybe I can use that. And he's like, Hey, if you can take it and you got space for it, like get it out of, out of, my shop because my boss is giving me a hard time for leaving this out in the parking lot for the last five years. Like he hadn't used it because you can't wood fire in LA. He fired the kiln one time in the parking lot at the, his business and the fire department came out. (laughs) They were just like, what the fuck are you doing? uh, Are you stupid? Yeah. 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 What was the, they were like, you, they were like, this is amazing. You can't do this. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it just sat there on the end of all good things right there. This is fantastic. Yeah. Please don't do this again or we'll put mm-hmm. you in jail. So uh, he gave it to me. I just had to pay to move it. So I paid some like heavy machinery movers to pick it up, put it on a flatbed, drive it out. That was a whole ordeal. And, uh, I used the kiln for six years, maybe firing like three to four times a year. And uh, 
the materials he used were all recycled except for the steel, but the, the refractories, the brick, the blankets and everything. And none of those things were designed for a wood kiln. They were, they were made for like firing gas kilns. So the nature of the materials broke down from the chemical attack of the wood ash, like sticking to them and melting into the bricks and to the fiber blanket and everything. And the kiln, like uh, every time you'd fire it, you get you could get it up to temperature, but you couldn't maintain temperatures because it would just start leaking heat. And uh, because there's giant holes where like fiber had fallen through and, you know, I, I'm not the kind of guy that just like throws patches on things. I'm like, no, let's just like tear it down and fix it. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and then the kiln is like the design of it's like inefficient for flame and all these other things. I, I could criticize it a lot and I, and I hate criticizing it because it was the work that came out of that was fantastic but I've fired wood kilns before and it's been like a very casual, enjoyable process, especially if you're working with people that know how to fire kilns. And that kiln was always a chore. Just like you're, you don't know if you're getting to temperature, you don't know what to, like an experienced person, you don't know what to do to keep temperature in the kiln. You're losing heat. Uh, the firebox won't, you know, things just didn't work out. And, uh, and then you un- you work for four days without sleep. Uh, you're dirty, and you open the kiln the next week, and only half of it comes out like good, and maybe 25% of it knocks your socks off. Uh, and then another 25% is acceptable, but then you've got to refire 50% of it, and mm. that's just uh, a hard. Uh, those are hard percentages when you could des- design something that might give you like 75% success. So it had just run it. I mean, but basically it had it run, run, it course. It had it run its course, course yeah. but it also was the kiln that built Jonathan Cross. I mean, essentially, yes. you know, like you're, yeah. because the interesting thing about your ceramic uh, practice is that it's not just the form, which the form is radical. And I do have to say, you know, like the talking to you, we just got the uh ryan just brought drove up all of the work and like we're we just at, we're actively using a piece today i took a picture that i'll send you it's freaking nice. radical composition but i mean i'm not mad at the soda kiln i gotta tell you i'm oh, not no, mad no, at the soda no, no, kiln. No. i miss the wood fired texture yeah but i'm not yeah. mad at the soda kiln i actually no. thought that you were potentially firing for whatever reason i was under the misconception that you'd rebuilt the wood kiln and i just thought maybe the kiln is still seasoning so you're not getting that yeah. surface that, that i'm crust. familiar with right but but the colors and the the way that uh, the soda is interacting with the clay is creating radical character in this work yeah. i mean like i i was like wow yeah it's it's like a it's wetter feeling like more it's not glossy because I try to avoid yeah wetter yeah wetter yeah it's, it's got juicier. a wet feeling it's juicy so you've got like uh, like after things have rained you know the the stones are wet mm-hmm. the moss is wet there's a little bit of water still pooling on things so there's kind of those like greens and things that I'm not usually some blues with. too huh and blues and uh, just a more wet kind of surface, which, you know, it's a different look. And, the, uh, the heavy, the heavy tile, uh, that has the green 
and the and the yeah. white heavy soda accumulation is pretty monumental. Yeah. The, the really big, you know, TIE fighter uh, yeah. uh, looking piece. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. That's right? gonna that's gonna stay at Mariah. Yeah. There was one person that might uh, have had the opportunity to purchase the work and he passed on it, but that's definitely gonna have yeah. a Mariah piece put into it. Cause you you just can't duplicate that stuff. I mean, you can make another yeah. form that's similar, but you, the, the effect will be different. And that when yeah. it all comes together, it's absolute magic. It's uh that piece, you know, I've been thinking a lot in terms of forms when I'm doing the bonsai. It's like you you and another number of your students responded to a wood fire piece a while back that didn't actually have a very generous planting area, but it was a very cool sculptural form. And uh, so ever since then, I've been really thinking about how do you capitalize on that kind of concept and like how the tree gets placed and just, I, you know, I really am, uh, <laughs> I'm, uh, for lack of a better word, I'm fucking with you guys. <laughs> I'm trying to like, I'm trying to get you to like, like, ah, oh, you can't plant the bonsai. And like, how the hell are you going to use this thing? Like, what the hell? And uh, but the but when you go out in nature, you see the trees sometimes. Like when you're in Joshua Tree, I don't know if you got to see any of those junipers. And you're Absolutely. Like, Where there's no soil. Sure. This is on a rock. Sure. There is no soil for like. 50 feet around this thing how is this like giant and surviving and thriving and uh it's just those root systems and like getting the the tree to like interact with the the space around it to kind of learn how to survive i mean you guys have the skills yeah this is the thing is when you and we're getting better at it we're getting better at using your work because now we have more but i will say this recent edition of your work is the most user-friendly planting space while still maintaining the the really radical forms that jonathan cross is known for it's like you took some of the pieces that like we wanted to use from previous pieces and we were going to have to wait for a few years to find the perfect tree and you maintain that proportion and form but you gave us more space and that's why it was like it's immediate we've just started using them they got unloaded and it was just like down to the greenhouse because you, you really have struck a balance that has made them more accessible. But I will also say, like from what you're saying, I haven't lost sight of the desire to, much like you do with your incense pieces, mm-hmm. have have a vessel that does piece together to be able to oh, give yeah. the impression of a tree that is r- literally locked in a crack in a rock and yeah. to have that aesthetic value. Like I still think you're the only person that's gonna be able to pull that off and your, your yeah. incense pieces have proven that you can do it, but to have a tree in a form like that, I think this is the next level and super cutting edge. Yeah. Troy has that Rocky down there in the, that lower display area Mm -hmm. in the box. And he was actually talking about that same thing, that if there was an opportunity to take two of Jonathan's pieces and do a little bit of a sandwich and show that crack root kind of going vertically top to bottom and the tree coming back up. Oh, wow. I mean, Troy, Troy was kind of, he may need to reach out to you and, and, uh, Playing a little something, something, man. Jake Haas. Yeah. 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 There's potential there. I mean, you know, rebuild your wood kiln and let's, let's keep going. Yeah. I, 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 you know, it's like, uh, I'm going to have to build a smaller thing mm-hmm. that I can manage with a, a skeleton crew because I need a wood fire. Like, it's just, there's so much to, 
to learn like the same thing with the soda i so like in graduate school i was wood firing a lot with other people in their kilns and uh when it came time for like thesis like finishing up school everybody kind of pulled back and was like oh you can't like you can't just fire my kiln on your own like you can fire with everybody else but you can't run the show so i actually had to build a soda kiln at the asu in order to fire my whole thesis and uh but i was used to the wood firing and so i did a lot of research tested a lot of clays a lot of slips and surfaces to come up with effects that are very similar to the wood firing um without the crust like the crust is a thing that you know is accessible in the wood firing um so I, I did all this research in like a very short amount of time, like a year, maybe six months in graduate school. How many times did you fire testing those things in that period? Oh, in grad school, it was like every two weeks firing a kiln. You're firing a, very... a kiln that's a four-day fire every two weeks? Oh, no, no, no. In grad school, the, the soda kiln is like a, a two-day fire. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and, and the great thing about the soda kiln for person working on their own without an assistant or even with just like one assistant is that you turn on gas and you go out to the kiln. If it's 120 degrees outside, you walk out to the kiln, you check the temperature gauge, you look at all the indicators for the kiln, you readjust and you walk back inside the studio and you make more work. Uh, and you keep doing that. You turn on some Netflix, you turn on some tunes, you enjoy the air conditioning. Right. It's like a, it's not a, well, it is a lazy man kind of thing, but uh, not lazy, just kind of capitalizing on what time I have available to me. Mo- modern conveniences. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, the wood fired, you're like, you're, you're hearkening yeah. back to like the beginning of organized civilization right there, you know? Yeah. That's a different, yeah. you're tapping into, you're tapping into the origins of uh, of humanity and and plates and earthenware yeah. and storage devices and transport of grains and food and goods and yeah I mean that's like you're getting into the deep genetic DNA of of a human being with wood fired ceramics yeah and the and the the soda like tickles that concept mm. it doesn't like capitalize fully on it but it like it nods to it. Yeah. And, uh, but I did all that research and I dropped it as soon as I got a new wood kiln and I didn't do any soda firing the whole time since grad school. Um, but I had all this knowledge I accumulated and it's a fantastic tool. It's a fantastic look. And, uh, and it's the same kind of thing. Like even with wood firing, I, I'm trying to impress myself, but I'm also trying to impress my community. So it's like, uh, I want wood fire people to look at my work and be like, huh, I wonder how he did that. Mm. And uh, same thing with the soda firing. I want, like, when I did my, my thesis show, all my buddies came and they were like, wait, that's not wood fired? It looks wood fired. How did you do that? You did that with the soda kill? Like, but it looks wood fired. How did you, how did you pull that off? And uh, just the testing. It's just constant testing. 
So, so you're you're really with the soda kiln. You're really like taking it back to your grad school days, but you're also sh- resharpening a blade that you you at one time had really honed to uh-huh. a significant degree. And inside yeah. of this, like, do you view having gone from the wood fire then to what you were working with in Santa Monica and now to the soda kiln as like this? You're 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 really utilizing a lot of different tools in a very short period of time instead of so focused yeah. on a singular tool. Do you feel like that's having an impact on your work? Oh yeah, because I've had to, especially with the gas kiln, I've had to really focus on form, like the form, you know, because like uh like with the wood firing, I could make a a round vessel, no carving, no uh no no form outside of like a simple like uh platonic triangle square circle Mm -hmm. and i could put that in the wood fire and get that crust on it and it's going to be interesting just because of the surface the form becomes like a vessel for holding that um you can do that with the soda firing too and, uh, but if you have, you'd have to have a, like a lot more nuanced kind of, uh, appreciation for clay. If you just made a circle of clay and gas fired it. Yeah. There's like things you have to do to the clay to make the clay itself more interesting. Um, and so like working on the forms so that the form just stands alone by itself without any surface um, what's the word? Surface, texture, texture, characters, accumulation, something. characters, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and so I've had to work on the forms a lot. Are, uh, are you also controlling the material side? Because I thought I remember talking to you in the past, and that you had said you you're producing and kind of creating some of your own clays. So even if I buy uh, commercial clays which is a, a practical thing because I'm probably using like 15 to 20 tons of clay a year. Um, tons? And like you just, tons. 20 tons. And you can't, um, you can harvest that amount of clay, but the whether it's good clay or bad clay is a, is a lot different. Uh, um, so I use a commercial clay, but I'll put additives into it. So I add my own uh, fluxes, like frits and things, which are modifiers that change the melting temperatures and the surface of the clay look, you know, from like a neutral to maybe like a satin or matte kind of surface with glaze on it. And uh, I'm also adding stones and other additives to kind of create textures and different things. And I've been, I was doing that with the wood firing as well. it shows up a lot more because the wood ash mixes with those minerals and creates different kinds of effects. Um, but it's very important with the gas firing because you, you want to create like a interesting surface, uh, cause you don't have the addition of the soda ash or the wood firing. Yeah. Yeah. That's fascinating stuff. It's fascinating stuff to, to, to see how all of this, because you know, like it, I think uh, if you look at, I mean, I guess in painting or drawing, you know, drawing, I guess you could like graphite or charcoal or something and like uh, oil pastels. And then you like, like think about like painting and you have acrylics and you've got watercolor and you've got 
oil paints. But but the the practice is still painting. Like unless you were talking yeah. about mounting a different material and like handling the limitations of that in an unpredictable environment where weather and temperature and everything else, it's like there's really not a comparable discussion. And I guess it's just hitting me now, even though I've known you for quite a while and I've been working with your work uh, for a number of years now, it's just kind of hitting me now how much the 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 form plus the surface uh has created this like much greater much greater than uh piece of art and then beyond that the fact that you you know i think it's hard for people to understand if you're not a ceramicist like deep in the ceramics world to listen to jonathan cross talk and understand like how far down the rabbit hole you've gone because you're not only coming up with <laughs> radical forms and you're not only thinking outside of the box from an artistic perspective, but you also have like this tremendous technical acumen to be able to do these things and then inside of that do those and manipulate them. It's like a pretty yeah. deep rabbit hole. So like I'm really, I'm super inspired by the soda fired work and I was not informed enough to understand the nuance of it. But now that I'm learning this, like it actually makes it even more impressive and interesting to me to see this phase of your work with the soda kiln being the outlet for you using this knowledge and experience that you accumulated back in grad school. It's like a, yeah. it's, it's almost like a time warp to a degree or like a uh, time traveling for your body of work. Cause now you've got yeah. the focus of the form on strictly gas benefiting now with this soda that you picked up back in the day and are bringing back into your current work. And you're still looking towards the future of that ultimate yeah. wood fired, uh, you know, practice again. That's, that's badass. Thanks. Yeah. I've been, I've been working thank on you. these. Uh... Thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> The well, I've been working on these cha like chairs, ceramic chairs. I've seen them. These are rock and roll. Stools yeah. and side tables, and they look cool already. But I've been doing the soda firing, and I can't fit. I, I can I can fit one of the side tables into this soda kiln. Um, but the goal for the end of this year is to build a gigantic soda kiln first mm -hmm. before the wood before the wood kiln gets built. Because, uh, you know, like I need to pay some student loans. I need to pay off a credit card. I need to put a new roof on the desert house. I need to put a roof over the studio. And uh, those ceramic chairs and tables and other things that are being sold um, on a big scale are already popular. But when I put that soda ash on there, they're, it's just going to... People are going to freak out, I think. I'm going to freak out when I unload the gun. <laughs> you might um, freak out more than anybody. These are these are yeah. the pieces that, that uh, David's selling through the Future Perfect? Yes. yes. I've seen, because uh, I've seen images of them on the Future Perfect uh, Instagram. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's he's doing it. And that's incredible. Yeah. And then, like, uh, I gave you two pieces, uh, a round kind of, I called it a caldera. It's kind of like a rocky round form Love it. Uh, with like a kind of volcanic interior, but it was a blue yeah. green mm -hmm. surface. Yeah. All about and it. And then a long, uh, like half cylinder. Mm -hmm. It was kind of like a hollowed out tree trunk form. Yep. And I can't fit those in my soda kiln yet, but then we're talking about that scale 
with the soda ash on them and then you know it's gonna be fantastic and then things <laughs> really get exciting i thought the blue yeah. when i saw the blue i was drawn to it uh, yeah. because it's not like anything that I've seen from you before, but the, the, the color and the quality of the blue was really, really appealing to me. Yeah. It's, I'm trying to, ever since I saw the bristlecone pines, the stones that are around them are actually this kind of like light gray, white slate blue color. And I just thought that that was like a really appropriate, you know, you gotta, you need to, if you're going to make a vessel for this tree, it needs to kind of will harken back to its origins yeah um, taking that especially those trees um it seems very important to kind of capitalize on their environment and what you see around them to kind of bring forth the the full message of a bristlecone uh, especially if you do a bonsai i agree i don't think i don't think um i don't think anybody's captured bristlecone i mean there's very few people working with bristlecone period well, yeah, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I, but, but I don't think anybody's ca I don't think anybody's done it well yet in terms of capturing the, yeah. the essence of bristlecone, and I think some of it does. To your point, and again, I think this is where the sort of the interlocking container idea, which you, I, I mean, you talked about in regards to a bristlecone here at Mirai after you had been to the bristlecones, as like I think that would be a pretty rock and roll thing for this tree, and I'm still, you know, it's sitting yeah. up there in some very domestic container waiting for the day that Jonathan Cross unleashes the fury on, yeah. uh, you know, on something cataclysmic. Yeah. And I'm, and it's, it's unfortunate that I wasn't able to join Ryan on the trip up uh, with this last batch. Cause I always enjoy my trips up there to kind of refresh my memory on what's happening mm -hmm. uh, with your work, especially, but with the, the students and stuff and see what things people have done and, see the potential that's available with like things that are resting in boxes everything's like tilted up on an angle and yeah you know think everyone's thinking but i do like you know it's kind of a as impatient as i can get uh for i don't it's just kind of like the way we live these days mm -hmm. i'm really looking forward to uh to spending time with work, you know, like, uh, now that you, like when you have your own place, it, like Mirai, obviously it doesn't look like it was put together last year. Uh, it's got this age, it's got this lived in feeling. And, um, I want to surround myself with my work, you know, even the failures, like making a pile of failure is kind of like the pile of dead logs and, and things that you've got, you know, in the forest around Mirai, like it, that even looks interesting. Like the lichen growing on top of rotten stuff in the corner behind the guest house or whatever, like, you know, or the boards that didn't get used for a building that have like moss growing on them. That's those kinds of uh, moments of inspiration. I'm looking forward to creating spaces with the work um, and just taking time. Like it, it, we've got, we don't have a lot of time on this world, but we do have a lot of time on this world. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, from our perspective, there's a lot of there can be a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so, like the wood, like with the wood kiln and stuff, I'm really looking forward to. And even with the soda, like I have a few pieces that I like 
move the pieces back and forth in between kilns. Uh, so I'm looking forward to having like both of those tools available. Um, but you know, like maybe taking an angle grinder and grinding through half of the wood ash and exposing the raw clay again, turning the piece over, firing it in a different part of the kiln, maybe put it in the soda kiln for a run, take it out, put it back in the wood kiln. Uh, like the just my my eventual goal is like firing a piece like over like five or ten years. Yeah. You know? This and is... just seeing stuff. So it's like with the coming up to the to Mirai, like we're going to make pieces for these trees, but maybe we're not going to make that piece for five years. I love that. I love yeah. that. That's so freaking romantic. It just makes me <laughs> like want it now, you know, like to ex- yeah. yeah, but you but, want it now. Yeah. But, but I, it's but good to have that dream. It's the beauty of it though, is you can't have yeah. it now. You know, like when yeah. I, when I started building this place, I couldn't have a finished garden, you know, but like the desire yeah. to have a finished garden is what continued to push and push and push, you know, yeah. and you get to a point where you're like, oh, I, I, I get it. This is never going to, but yeah. like, I sh- certainly am enjoying what's been made. I mean, the we're process. getting, yeah, we're getting ready to rebuild the, uh, the garden. Like we had some, we had wow. some benches collapse, um, uh-huh. over a pretty significant winter storm between Christmas and the new year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was, it was terrible is what it was yeah. but it, you know it's i mean it is what it is that was better than the 117 degree heat but uh that Whoa, has you had that up there oh it was catastrophic at mirai we lost uh we lost a lot of trees a lot wow. of trees to that heat that it killed wow. trees in the shade uh wow it was a powerful force uh and wow. there was one specific sort of time of day where the western sun uh, kind of poked through this saddle and the dug furs on the west side of the garden, and it was like a laser beam. Every single the branch, death ray. <laughs> every single branch, it was the Death Star destroying planets. Every yeah. branch that it touched died, and there was a line. There was a demarcated line through the Garden of Death where that light Ugh. hit those trees. It was. I've never seen anything like that. I've never experienced anything like that. But you know, the the. The 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 week after that, it's interesting. Oh, it's interesting. It is. I wish I could have seen that. It it was painful at first, but I've like grappled yeah. with it and dealt with it now, and learned a lot from it, and it has stimulated a completely new direction for Mariah. Yeah. Yeah. Good. The garden Good. is moving in in an entirely new direction, and it's it's pretty spectacular. Yeah. I, I have to tell you, it's a it's a big investment. Uh, because we recognize, I recognize that like 117 degrees is not outside of the realm of possibility now. Yeah. So you, you have to build to that and that has yeah. changed my perspective and it's going to really influence this environment here a lot. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I've been, I don't know if it's like just the kind of books or podcast or kind of like different environment where you're like questioning things now, but it's like thinking about uh like the human potential like the material potential and like uh you you like the contentment used to be maybe like a goal um but realizing now that like being content is probably like a really boring state Mm. to be in and like that you need this like atmosphere of challenge to kind of activate your potentials 
Yeah. You know, you need you need the death ray to kind of blast through your universe and like to to be able to pick up the pieces that are left behind and still create beauty, to still create potential from that may, might make you like an even stronger artist. Yeah. Uh yeah, just thinking about those things. And the, and then having like the, this like un not uncompromising character but like you you have a you as an artist uh and other people i see as an art as artists have a vision it's not that you're not capable of like rolling with the punches but there is like a core that pushes through everything and you're able to like pull in things but that core remains uh that's that's kind of important too it's interesting to watch i just think I, I, uh, everything that you're saying, I love it. I think that uh, the people that are able to weather the storm, and I think this is could be turned around, and you know what you've had to go through to be a ceramicist. I don't think a lot of people appreciate the kind of sacrifice and dedication that it's taken for you to be at this point in your career with the body of work that you're now capable. Of creating, and that's why I love the soda fire so much, is because you're you're reaching all the way back to grad school, and a technique that like once wood fire came in, you kind of forgot about, and then you were, you know, in Santa Monica, and now those things aren't, uh, ca- you know, capable. But like when you when you look at that, the number of people that would have given up at any one of those junctions in the road where you could have gone and done something completely different that would have honestly been a lot easier and potentially far more lucrative for you, you Mm -hmm. know, but you didn't, you know, and this is a conversation that Randy, Randy Knight and I have quite a bit where it's like, you know, there have been times at Mariah that have been challenging Uh, this past summer, summer of last year was one of them. But I remember him in like 2012 when I first experienced my first major setback and he's like, yeah, well, you know, I mean, this is why there aren't a lot of, people professionally doing bonsai like it's it's hard he's like i wouldn't i wouldn't blame you if you quit and that has really stuck with me since he said that because it's like yeah there's a every time you're confronted with that the number of people that would weather that storm and then the next one and then the next one and then the next one that is that equivalent (laughs) uncompromising character that you're talking about yeah that is like when you see somebody who has pursued their art for 30 or 40 years and you think about all the storms that they've weathered and all of the accumulated uh, things that they've pulled in to that uncompromising spirit that allowed them to continue to persevere boy that's a real rich body of work that's going to be generated by somebody who who has that capacity to weather that kind of storm yeah yeah and like uh you don't uh it's weird because I don't I'm also at a point now in my life where like I don't have <laughs> a lot of other options. Totally. You know, like uh I do ceramics. Yeah. Uh I could maybe be someone's assistant, but I would I would not be happy just <laughs> like following like carrying someone else's coattails. You could print make. Uh, you could always go back to printmaking. Like you have that skill maybe, set too. Maybe, but I think I've like purposely forgot right. how to do most of that yeah sure uh, i do want to go back to a print shop maybe eventually and work with other people who 
our experienced printmakers make some images. That's like a thing that's been ticking around in the back of my head. Especially like woodblock printing, mm. getting like a big sheet of, of uh, wood and carving it, images into that, and trying to figure out some cool layers. Uh, I don't know. It's just like I'm going to be in the desert now, and you, you have like your winter period. Uh, maybe with all the trees outside and not being able to go into a greenhouse, you kind of have a, a certain amount of responsibility, a daily responsibility to the trees and the outdoor space. But, you know, when it's, it can get super cold in the desert. And then when it gets super hot in the desert, like uh, the soda kiln is a good tool. Cause I could fire that if it's 120 degrees, I could just wait till nighttime to load it. And checking on the kiln throughout the day is not a big deal. But why not, you know, make some prints in the middle of the summer yeah. instead of doing ceramics or, I don't know, or just make work and not fire kilns. I don't, there's like a, a stuff like when you're young and dumb, you, you don't, uh, you just kind of do it and get dirty and get hot and get turned into a mess. But when things start aching and, uh <laughs> start turning around uh back isn't what it yeah. used to be yeah you're just kind of like maybe uh we should just wait for a week when it's not so hot we'll see what happens yeah uh, what was i was gonna yeah. oh do you know any other ceramics this idea of firing a piece over five to ten years and grinding it and flipping it over in a different part of the of the kiln and then wood firing it and then uh, soda firing it. Do you know anybody else that's doing that kind of progressive firing on a singular piece of ceramic over the course of time? So the the idea has been generated from, uh, you know, my growing up in the wood fire community, and most this mostly started kind of like post Bach before I went to grad school. I went back to Dallas for a couple of years, and. Uh, you know, going back to that technical stuff, I owe a lot to my undergraduate professor, Dan Hammett. I'm going to throw a shout out to him. Uh, he gave me the technical grounding that allowed me to pursue all the other technical aspects that I've been able to do, like really emphasizing, like, this is how you fire a kiln. This is how you make clay. These are the chemical processes that are happening. This is what it takes to do this thing and uh he may have not emphasized so much about the art because that's something that you are you like your unique process is going to develop and that's not something that you teach but we can teach the technical stuff and once you have all the technical skills you don't have any excuses (laughs) right like you know how to fire that kiln what's your excuse Mm -hmm. you know how to make the clay what's your excuse why does that You can't say that this looks bad because you didn't know how to fire the kiln. You can't say this looks bad because you didn't know how to mix your clay. You can't say this looks bad because you didn't know how to make the glaze. Like this looks bad because of you. (laughs) Wow. Uh, So that, that that was really great. Um, And beyond that, I was losing my, my train of thought. Oh, but the reading a lot uh, when you're wood firing, there's all this like Japanese people wood fire and they really like they like everything they adopt uh they adopt things from china and korea or steel things from china and korea 
uh, and once they get them, then they they have this wonderful capacity to heighten them to this like fine degree, um, swordsmithing, metalsmithing, bonsai, gardening, making cars, making toilets, like whatever, whatever they do, it's just like, how do we do this the best? And they're amazing at it. So anyways, they, they start building all these wood kilns. There's like, uh, there's this teaware that they start making for the tea ceremony. And so they start moving it away from this more kind of lackadaisical, uh, tea ceremony that happens in China where you kind of like spill water on these cups and you have this kind of, uh, aristocratic kind of laissez faire kind of, uh, tea experience into this more serious kind of Zen Buddhist experience with the, the Chawan and mixing the, the green tea and like the, the hut, the whole atmosphere. Like they create this whole um, ritual around this process. Well, in the course of doing that, you have, you have all these ceramic kilns and the majority of ceramics at this time, you gotta, you have to realize in the 1400s, like ceramics is a high technology. Like being able to store and keep food preserved is one of like in, in a safe way. It like puts your civilization ahead of another civilization. If you can't fire clay to eat off of and to store seeds and to store food and to ferment food into, there's no glass. There's no stainless steel. There's no copper. There's no metal. I mean, those things exist, but not on like a massive scale. So if your culture can do these things, then uh, you can survive. You can do all this other stuff. Anyways, so there's this like peasant ware, like jars, plates, things like that, that people are using. But then there's this tea ceremony that happens. And then these objects occur. These objects become more and more, they want them to look more rustic. They want them to look more unusual. And you can't do that in the like community giant kiln that's just firing the clay to get it hot so that it works. So these guys start developing these small kilns and they start sprinkling ash into the kiln before they fire it. And then they start firing things multiple times. So as a wood fire artist, I'm looking at all these like ancient Japanese ceramic pieces because that's where most of the best wood fire work comes from. And I'm like, how the hell do you fire a piece like that? And then as you do more and more research, you're like, Oh, they fired that three times. Mm. You know, it was in the back of the kiln and moved to the middle of the kiln. They turned it upside down and then they finally put it in the front of the kiln on its side. And then fine. And then it looked like that. So the only way you get those surfaces is if you fire for two weeks (laughs) you know, in a small kiln and you develop, you develop these like massive coal beds, you build up all this crust and this heat, or you just be patient and you just move the kiln, the piece around the kiln Mm. for, you know, multiple firings. If you have a small kiln that might happen like, you know, six firings in one year, or if you have a big kiln that happens like over the course of a couple of years, but when you have patience, when you have foresight, you have uh when you have uh vision 
vision or even like a kind of like a, not a belief, but a standards. When you have a standard that you're going for, then you can just wait, you know, that piece isn't ready. Uh, so That's fascinating. That I'm looking be- forward to it. I, that's a long story. That was great. That was that was that was great. Yeah, I I've never heard, uh, you know, the Shokunin mentality and the pursuit of perfection with the recognition that it's it's a impossible feat yet it's still a worthy pursuit in yeah. terms of quantifying the Japanese approach. But I've never heard it stated like you just said. What did you What did you just say? You said. Uh, Not patience. A pursuit of a goal, of a desire, of an aesthetic. Yeah, but you said something specific. I'm going to have to go back and listen to that because it just left my mind as I started throwing out those other words that I would commonly... <laughs> it was... Uh, but, but you have like... You have a your... Standard. A standard. There it is. The standard. Yeah. The yeah. standard. I've, I, I haven't... It, 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 a, a light bulb just went off in my yeah. head because... Maybe I've always wondered, like, what is the what is that central piece of Japanese art forms that created that excellence? And obviously, discipline is like just a, a built-in way to describe Japanese culture and the pursuit of the Japanese arts. But a standard, an unwavering standard, yeah, that has to be met for it to even be considered yes. or conversed about is really a strong and powerful way to speak about that inherent characteristic of the Japanese arts at the highest level. Yeah. That's that's really interesting. Hmm. And it's weird because even Picasso dealt with that a little bit. Like, you know, he was an amazing, in terms of classical art, like I don't know if you've seen any of his early drawings when he was 20, but yeah. he drew just as well as Michelangelo. Yeah. Uh, like gorgeous like classical drawings and it's almost like, and and this is probably like a a Mirai thing too. You need to have the technical knowledge. You need to be able to do, you need to be able to grow and maintain a healthy, neutral uh, organism that has maybe less character, but fits into the canon and can maintain its health over a long period of time so that you recognize the seasons, that you recognize the quality of a tree, what health looks like, you know, how you can combat like any of the little problems. And then once you have a grasp of like what this tree, what this material can do, now you can play. Mm-hmm. Now you can, you can break a rule. Because breaking that, you have all the other rules surrounding that that broken rule to support that decision. Yeah. Now I can break a rule over here because I have all this other technical knowledge that can support me or back me up on that decision. And that it's very similar with art. And even with Japanese art, like you, you spend years apprenticing, you spend years learning all the technical aspects, you, you apprentice with somebody you do all this stuff and then you get to a point where you're like, why did I even start making art in the first place? And you, you make mistakes. But if you don't have like all that technical expertise just gives you like uh, comfort with the material. Um, like I was just listening to a conversation with Richard Serra 
where he grew up in like a, a, a more industrial kind of situation with his dad. And so, you know, he was like the idea of like ordering 25 tons of steel to make a sculpture was not a big deal. Mm. Whereas like, if you're another kind of artist, you're like 25 tons of steel. Like you can't do that. And he was like, no, 25 tons of steel is nothing. Like it, that, that gets you like the edge of this boat, but you're going to need like 450 more tons of steel to make the rest of this thing. So like organizing things and it's more about perspective and kind of like making yourself comfortable with all this technical stuff to give you freedom. And like that, that can translate into all kinds of fields, you know, uh, I can't even begin to list them but like once you have the technical knowledge once you know the tradition once you know the the background of what you're doing that's when you can break away every once in a while we have these people that are that have no background and the technical stuff and they're just good (laughs) Uh, those mavericks those wonderful kind of savants of whatever they're doing but that's not the norm you know so for someone like me, I don't know you or some other people, like there's a history of like the technical background yeah, and uh, the push forward. Yeah. 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 Do you, do you, do you love ceramics more now than ever? Or how, like, how do you feel about, or is it even like a love hate? Is it more <laughs> just like ceramics are just embedded in you at this point? Like the, the, pers- the pursuit. I, I can't think of do like stone might be the next love Mm -hmm. but that's like a technical barrier that i haven't been able to pass um but that that also seems like the technical issues with clay could maybe be surpassed uh, transitioning into stone Mm -hmm. you know when we start talking about like 25 feet instead of six or four feet in terms of form and things like that in similar yeah. concepts yeah I was, but, uh, I but was, clay is fun it's so I, I can't i was doing printmaking for a long time and then i started doing clay as like a way to make vessels for my cactus pots and you know once i had that it was it was joyful it, and it's always been joyful like turning dirt into art is uh, uh i mean it's it's in our bones yeah. human beings across the planet in every single culture use earth clay stones rock to make art it's just there mm-hmm. uh, and then you add the fire element and like you were saying it just gets into the, gets into those genes gets into those bones and just pulls out all that fresh life that we've accumulated over the millions of years we've been on the planet. Do, do you think when you started the, like when you went back to grad school and you, and you were learning all of these techniques and really pushing your knowledge of art and your own personal practice, would you have predicted at that point in time that you would be here? Like, does your journey um, look like you thought it would look or is it radically different? I'm, it's funny because like I talked to some of the uh, I'm going to say ladies because the majority of the 
uh, undergraduate art people that I was with were women, young ladies at the time. And uh, in their own words, I was this cocky son of a bitch that was strutting, <laughs> strutting around the art studio. And they were just like, he's going to make it. Uh, and that, that was them. I wasn't exactly sure of that, but for the rest of them, they're like, yeah, he just, he's got that, like that thing in him where he's just, he's going to make art and he's going to make it somehow. He's going to do something. And, uh, it's just been my thing. Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I can't think of a time, like maybe not like the fine art thing, but like even like comic books, drawing, all kinds of like something to do with art making uh, has been in my blood since a very young age. I don't, I don't know when the delineation was, but um, it's been there. And, you know, I grew up with like my grandfather and my dad and all these guys that were very physical. They would build like carpent. I wouldn't call them carpenters, but like my dad built houses, my grandfather built fences my cousins my uncles like all of them knew how to build things like when someone bought a new house it was like okay like we got to strip this thing bare and like redo it because it's like whoever built this didn't do a good job and we're gonna redo it and that wasn't a big deal for them so like working with your hands was always uh it was always there you know you can you can make work on big projects you can work with tools you can work with your hands and hard work and diligence kind of came from those, those guys. You just like work your ass off for 10 hours and uh, eat a big meal at the end of the day. And, <laughs> nice, you know, like nice big try tip. <laughs> yeah. Like it was just kind of like, just get it done. Like, like you're, Oh, you're going to, you know, like that wonderful positive, like positive negative reinforcement of like, Oh, you got to take a lunch break. Huh? Okay. Yeah. You do that. You do that. The rest of us are just going to keep getting, we're going to get this done. Yeah. You know? And, uh, like that kind of positive peer pressure kind of thing of, uh, like get, get the work done, son. You know, like we, we got something to do. It's, I don't know. It's fun. It's funny to hear. It's cumulative. You, it's funny to hear you talk about this though, because you're talking about like, okay, so Richard, Sarah, you know, grew up in this more industrial context and 20 tons uh -huh. of steel. He was just like, yeah, why wouldn't I make a, you yeah. know, a, a, a building size Corten sculpture to explore the space between it? And it's like, OK, so that was his context that that eliminated his limitation. And I think mm -hmm. about this with, with Randy in the bonsai context, because here's somebody who came along and is collecting trees the size and scale of which nobody's, certainly not in North America, has ever collected. And you hang out with Randy and there's, like, there's not a limitation. He just doesn't see limitations in yeah. certain areas, but he sees limitations in other areas that, that I don't see. And so you start to recognize like, oh, so like... You know, whether scale is your limitation or creativity is your limitation or hard work is your limitation, like everybody has this unique set of tools that that they bring into whatever it is they're doing and you can't duplicate it. And that's where when you talk yeah. about the technical, this is like the backbone of trying to, to unveil the technique I learned in Japan. You know, if everybody yeah. has the same level of technique, now we start to talk about who's an artist. 
Yeah. Because now you're just like, you know how, to, you know how to fire the kiln. You know how to wire a tree. Yeah. You know how to, you know how to mix clay. You know how to repot it. Yeah. Why does your tree not look as good? You know, yeah. or, or, or why is that not as successful? Now, now it's like you start yeah. to really focus the attention on, okay, everybody wants to talk about in the bonsai realm. It wants yeah. to talk about it being an art form. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm, all right. Uh, what, 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 what are you, what are you doing? You know, like, yeah. what does that look like? What does that mean? Yeah. Uh, and I, I respect the fact that, um, I respect the fact that your knowledge of art has really given you a lot of insight into these processes as well. Cause I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot just talking to you over drinking the limited amount of mezcal that I've consumed in my life. It's all it's all pretty much been it's all pretty much been consumed with you. Yeah. Out of a J Cross cup. Out of a J Cross cup, which as has, you do. Oh, yeah. I, I would not feel like it would be the same experience with mezcal unless my lips were burning because the skin had been rubbed off of them and the alcohol it's was weird. then contacting it. Yeah. It's, it's almost like it gets into not... the bloodstream with a J Cross cup. Yes, it's weird to not drink out of one of my cups. <laughs> I did that recently at someone's house, and I was like, you know, I was with, I was, we're going with my wife, and I was like, is it pretentious of me to bring my cup? And she was like, yeah, they'll have cups there, and I'm like, yeah, but I'm drinking. <laughs> like, <laughs> no way okay. they're gonna have a cup at their house. That seems yeah. really unlikely. And so I show up, and I'm like, okay. I'm having fun. There's a fire. Okay, the conversation is good. I can forget about what I'm drinking out of. But, <laughs> but like, once you put it, like, I, I'm not, like, this is verified from multiple sources. Once you start drinking tequila and mezcal out of one of my cups, it will always taste better in one of these cups. Facts. Yes, I, I, I can't argue with that. I yeah. really can't because I have... I have attempted to drink. I also think the company influences that because you're passionate about your tequila and mezcal. So yeah. I feel like I'm supposed to like it, which has an influence on me because it's I'm not partial to that stuff. But in your cup, yeah. in your company, with your uh, feverish passion for mezcal, yeah. I would say, yeah, no, th- it doesn't taste any better anywhere else. Can't do, can't do yeah. it. He's he's curating uh, curating an experience for you, Ryan. We, we need to appreciate that. Absolutely. Again, yeah. to not lose the skin on my lips <laughs> would not be the same experience. Yeah. I yeah. I, so uh, Ira said that you guys uh, you guys rocked out at the Greek uh, at the Greek family gathering uh, together. Oh yeah, in yeah. L.A. I yeah. bet that was Steve Celestine and company. I bet that was amazing. Raki, Raki, Opa. oh man, we Opa. went we went pretty deep that night. So Steve's uncle, who whole family used to be yeah his uncle, but he used to own this Greek restaurant in Sierra Madre, which we used to frequent mostly on the, uh, for brunch after mass on mm. the Sundays, mm-hmm. he was there and he was, he wasn't, he was not the one barbecuing. He was the one directing the barbecue. Ah, uh, for me. But he had some homemade Raki and he saw me in my Jedi accoutrement. <laughs> right. And he Obi-Wan. was like, Oh, look at this hipster asshole showing up at my, my, nephew's party let me show him something you know he brought nice mezcal okay this tastes pretty good how can you do with raki and i was do i was going shot for shot 
glass for glass. His wife stopped him. Correct. Yes. She was like, that's enough for you. We're, we have to go home. <laughs> and I was like, are you sure? There's not a bo- another bottle of Raki? Where's the Raki? Wow. This is good. This yeah, is that tasty. was a big night. The food was unbelievable. It was great. Grilled octopus. I, 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 oh, re- I recall you and, and Christine both uh, commenting that you could smell it from the street when you get when you parked. Mm-hmm. You're saying, oh, I, th- I think I know we're at the right place because that that property they've got uh, three or four buildings on the property, and we were all yeah. the way in the back on that long skinny lot. And you're yeah. like, yeah, oh, I, I could smell you guys. I knew we were in the right place. Yeah, uh, unbelievable. Yeah, that was fantastic. That guy was rad. Ugh. Yeah, good group. I, so, but dumb. I could tell it was like twenty. 20 maybe not 20 but like 10 rakis in <laughs> 10 opas in he was like okay this guy drinks so yeah you were there when this. it was already dark we were there a few hours before you so that, yeah yeah that's funny it's a sliding scale opa <laughs> and, opa. And, and does christine ever go hey 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 jonathan i think i think you need to shut it down does she do that um very rarely. Uh-huh. I don't think that night that happened. We had we had a good time. No. That was fun. Oh yeah, it was great. I think everybody. Well, what happens is way. I, I always bring like a nice bottle of something, and what I need to do, and this has happened twice in the last year, maybe last two years, three three times, I bring a bottle of mezcal that's tasty, and and most people don't like their experience of mezcal is that's gross, and then I bring a bottle, and they're like, oh, this is amazing. And then in 30 minutes, it's gone mm-hmm. because everyone is like, I've never had this before. This is great. And then I'm sitting there with like crummy bourbons and like vodkas and beers. And I'm like, I should bring two bottles, one bottle for me and one bottle for the party. There you go. And <laughs> yeah. do you bring a set of glasses when you go? I, I you know. Glasses, cups. So Excuse that me. is, that Excuse is me. where Christine. Fine stoneware. That is a fatal. That was that was, that that was, was a big a, slip. I'm sorry. We'll, we'll get that out on the yeah, edit. Yeah, let's edit that out. Jeez. <laughs> that that is where Christine will edit me. <laughs> uh, you you can't bring your cups. That's, that's oh, she does shut that down. Well, you know, I mean, yeah, she's like, don't be too pretentious. Now, does she like Miss Call? Uh, sometimes. Uh huh. She has more expensive taste than I do. Ah, uh, yeah. You know, I I couldn't uh, hang with any sort of mezcal consumption, but I will eat you under the table with ramen. I'll take it to the oh, house. Oh yes, I'll take it to the house. Yes. Fat Kids Club all day long, every day. Jonathan all and I day. are in the Fat Kids Club. Vegan miso. Give me every pork option you have on That's top right. of that. De veganize the yes. miso ramen yeah. in Portland. The best miso ramen in Portland, or yeah, in Portland, I'd say Hillsboro. We can call that a separate place because uh, it is only vegan. Vegan. So wow. then we just add all the meat product back into it, and it's it's pretty insane. Would but, you like the vegan the, uh, gyoza? No, I, I don't think you were and, picking up what I was putting out here with the pork ad. <laughs> and the the veg the vegan server is scratching his head like, you want to add pork to the vegan yeah, option? Please, you got to give me a miso option. But there's yeah. a so Jonathan took me to. Uh, a very, very, very high-level miso ramen place in L.A. And uh, and every time I go, we do have to go oh, yeah. Im- imbibe and consume good miso ramen. Yes. yes. So we, we did a good job last time, but this guy always gets 
another broth and another bowl of noodles. Yeah, you gotta get that add on. I re- can't. Gotta refill. Double noodle. You gotta refill. We double noodle. We each we each get a bowl of ramen. We each get a thing of gyoza, mm-hmm. and we each consume large Sapporos, possibly three. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but then he goes the extra mile and gets the broth and the ramen on top of it. Yeah, or the, or that little up. curry. Got that little up. curry dish I, is nice. Someone's got to drive. Someone's got to drive, right? Yeah. Yeah, you need a DD when you go get ramen. That's what I'm saying. It's it's. Yeah. Listen, I might not be able to sit and consume a bottle of mezcal or whatever the Greek equivalent is. What'd you call Rocky. it? Rocky. Rocky. Yeah, I'm not going to be there for that party. I'll I'll sit and watch and talk and observe. But that's. Yeah. A, but if we're gonna go, you know, if we're gonna go do our thing. It's gonna to be tough to hang with me in ramen. Yeah, you're a player. It's you're gonna a be gamer. Tough to, it's gonna to be tough to hang with me in ramen. Can we? I gotta pause this. Okay. For a break. Oh. Momentary. All right. Well, we gotta cut out here pretty soon, anyways. You want to wrap it up? Are you sure? Yeah. Well, I have to. We, I gotta get home. I got. I got. Okay. Tasks. Yes. Yeah. You have a son. You have a son. I got a kid. When did you? When did you get a kid? Yeah. Wow. Eight years ago. Eight years ago. Got a kid. Wow. Yeah. That awesome Voltron sporting dude. Dude, we've got... So here's the thing. Yeah. I, how bad do you have to go pee? You got like two minutes? I'm good. Okay. I'm good. Okay. I got 15 minutes. Okay. Hold. Okay. Hold. Uh, so over the winter break, uh, we camped out here at Mirai mm-hmm. prior to Ira and Darlene moving on site. And... Um, and he had all of his toys out in the garden in the snow and stuff, you know, and he just never put them yeah. away. So there is a a pedestal in the garden that is occupied by uh, four of the five Voltron lions. Yeah, just holding oh. out for the black lion. Just, they're just waiting for the Where black lion. Anxiously looking for the black lion. Well, he took the black lion home because Keith is his favorite. So that's, Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, uh, and every time he comes... Look at that. He puts he puts all the little like his GI Joes and action figures mm-hmm. everywhere and does like creates his whole world, which I'm just like so envious of because yeah. when I was a kid, my mom would always make me clean up my toys, which is why I never make Taft clean up his toys unless it's absolutely <laughs> mandatory. Because that's like a, there's a process. Yeah. This is a rich experience. He took over that spruce. Yeah, he did. I was there. I was there for one of the cleanups. Oh, were you? <laughs> oh yeah. I, I helped out. I helped a brother out. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. you get down. You you still are an action yeah. figure guy. Your kids crushed the Legos. The, the time we were at your place, they were just dominating the Legos. Oh, my gosh. And, and unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately, our friend in the car on the speakerphone was like, oh, hey, I've got all those Legos for you. And we're like, what? And she's like, oh, yeah, my sons are, you know, going to college. So we've got all their Legos. We'll just pass them on down to you. Wow. So we, we got like a giant, like, Rubbermaid container full of Legos. And my sons are freaking out. Talk about a company. I, I just got to say this. I got I, I to give Le- Lego yes. credit where credit's due. Talk about a company reinventing itself mm-hmm. and, and just... Not just like getting back to status quo, because Lego was on the decline, is my understanding. I'm sure that's true. They were on the decline. First of all, they've mastered the the chemistry of their plastics to a degree yes. that is unfathomable. Their tolerances for accuracy of the molds is insane. It's it's unheard yeah. of. And, and like the not the brittle, because we have old 
Legos, mm-hmm. like the old space Legos. Right. And like every time I try to pull one of those apart, I inevitably snap one of those in half. Exactly. That's not happening. Doesn't happen anymore. No, no, no. They no. fixed that problem. Reinventing themselves and then just through the moon common became a part of common everyday life across multiple uh generations people like to build what's your movie crushing what's your movie Mm -hmm. uh pride and prejudice we can make it that lego yeah the jane austen collection is really really impressive totally we got it we nailed it Uh it's in Uh, the harry potter or frank lloyd wright or yeah you know uh ancient egypt or they were a little late to the bonsai game actually and i would say that was a week i I still think that we have a strong play to collaborate with lego and up their bonsai game right oh yeah i do i I support support that i do go maybe go to 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 daneland what's daneland go to oh yeah, yeah yeah right 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 to the original Lego and work with the dude and make a, a Mirai. I would love that so much. Lego 3D bonsai. print that shit. And I, I, that, I took that's their, a podcast right there. I took that's their a live cast. Yeah, no charge. I took their, ideas. I took their dinky little bonsai Lego set, which I had a friend who psychotically like got online and bought like five of them because she's like, they're gonna be uh-huh. so valuable, and they're not worth anything. But you couldn't get them for a while, so I had like these yeah. little Lego bonsai sets, and Taft whooped up like you know four of them in a day. And so they, it's sitting right here next to the computer. And I just think it's, so we took it outside and we sh- took pictures of it next to our trees. Just to show Lego <laughs> how poorly they had done. Yeah. Maybe next uh, time. Yeah, maybe next time. Or maybe we could, you know, like show a little respect yeah, Lego. Nursery but, stock creation. Yeah. I mean, let's elevate this. <laughs> yeah, let's take it beyond. Let's take it beyond a landscape shrub. Uh, Come that- on now. That sounds like a Denmark trip to me. Ugh, I'm in. Well, you know, first uh, we could just do Legoland. In Carlsbad yeah. as an epic yeah. adventure. Wow. So yeah. not you were so not enthusiastic about that idea? I was hoping for I've a little bit more. I've been there. I did that thing. It's very age specific to like maybe like five to eight years old. But if you fall outside of that age range, it kind of falls. Rapidly. What if you had Mescal and like Jonathan Cross cups? Would that enhance the experience? Uh, it doesn't. I do. There's the Star I Wars, do. the Star Wars section where they made like the Hoth and everything. And I would pay like 10 bucks to walk into the park and walk through that area. Mm-hmm. But everything else is a skip. Boy, I, my Tough experience, crowd. my experience was so different. Yeah. Okay. My experience was very different. I wasn't going in okay. with any sort of expectation. So maybe that's why. Cause I walked in, and well, I was I, like, this is going to suck. And Taft was like, this is the greatest place I've ever been. And we how just, old was Taft? we just crushed. He was six. There you go. Yeah. Oh, my kids. One of my oh, kids. I, I get it. I get it now. Okay. Yes. Right. So you can't you can't vicariously live through their enthusiasm unless they're in that age yes. range where it's really age targeted. Range. Yeah. Okay. I feel yeah. that. But Five as soon as you get, it is, sense. I got yeah. You. As soon as you get to like 11, 12 years old, it's like the even the rides. It's like oh, this is like a ten year old, six year old ride. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah, not the, a yeah. teenage. This is not a teenager ride. There's no teenager rides. Legoland did a good job space. of of having some real deal barbecue on site, though. I just have to say that they, that like, is, they did they did a yes. good job. Yes, the turkey leg mm-hmm. was excellent. Fantastic. The food is good. Yep. The what a water very specific park. comment. The turkey leg. The turkey leg was excellent. Oh, I it's mean, epic. It's authentic. Yeah. Road yeah. trip. Yabba dabba do. 
Yeah, but the, the Brontosaurus burger is to die for. <laughs> oh. oh man! Oh, dude, it's so good to talk to you, man. It's been a hot minute, yes. but uh, we got to do, do it again. I'm really, yeah, I'm really psyched on the work that you sent up. I'm super, super yeah. proud to present this to the world. But I'm going to take the cream off the top. Yeah, quick, quick, yes, uh, quick indeed. shout out to the Jonathan Cross video that Mariah had. I went back and watched that about mm-hmm. a five minute video. If anybody hasn't seen oh, that, man. go back and watch that. That was really special. Yeah, it was. And then the Kendall's yeah. write up. Force of form. All the blog. I yeah. just read. I, I just was one of the it. better write-ups of this space and this experience. Uh, the blog uh, is a monster. The blog of Mariah is yeah. a monster that that not a lot of people yeah. are digging into. But we need to. We need oh, to it's make coming. Sure. Yeah. Oh, it's coming. Get it gets out there. It's fan, coming. Fan the fire. Yeah. Well, an Arthur shot. You know the most powerful coming back to you saying oh, yeah. like the lichen and the logs in the forest and you know like you hucking your. Uh, unsuitable ceramics out into the desert, and then they stumbled yeah. across some of those pieces. And Arthur shot that, and it's in the yeah. in the blog, the Force of Form. I really that was the beginning. That was kind of the beginning yeah. of of us rocking out and doing our thing, man. And it's just continuing to yeah. progress. Do some more. I th- I think so. Yeah. I like that five to ten year per vessel. That's really inspiring to yeah. me. Maybe you should start doing that. I'm currently working on that. Listen, if you have a piece sitting there that somebody wants bad enough, are you actually going to be able to be like, you know what? Actually, that's on the ten-year plan. Yeah. I, you know, my my, I know we're trying to wrap it up here, but my goal (laughs) is to the, you know, the vessels, the tables the chairs the soda firing that like luscious surface Mm -hmm. i'm gonna use these things as tools to pursue my other goals that may not be like common knowledge Mm -hmm. it's gonna be one of those things where like you you roll into 29 palms for the tequila taco party that happens like once a year yes you know and then you're like wait what are those things over there and you're like, oh, that's, I'm working on it. Yeah, don't worry about those over there. That's uh, yeah. that's uh, that's it's not a, a, a talking yeah. subject right now. This sounds like a Mariah yeah. meetup, little tacos and tequila out in the desert. Oh yeah, I would be there. I would be there in all, a hot all minute, day baby. long. Oh all yeah, day long. We could do a podcast in the park. Oof! <sighs> Stop talking oh. to me like that. Yes. Yeah, we get it. We get there, There's some layers to peel back because I had a whole little list of uh, ideas and questions to to get to you, but there's just too much to talk about, man. Uh, it's the, good. The, the the wood, the soda, where things are going in the future. There's a lot to dissect. Yeah. That is, uh, that is, yeah, where things are going in the future. I mean, this is like just kind of watching you continue to adapt and roll with the punches of. Like you're moving in the common direction. You wanted to be in the desert. You wanted that property. Yeah. Now you're there, but like the soda is the current. The gas was the yeah. previous. Like the wood fired was what drove this whole thing. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's happening. It is happening. We, just have, we have to think in decades. Yeah, uh, but I got nothing but respect for you to stay in the course. That's... Yeah. commitment that's a huge yeah. testament to character that's all i have to say because that is not easy it's the standard it's that word standard yeah and you, you know. fi- and you find a way you continue to find a yeah. way that is uh, that really is i have a lot of respect for you jonathan there's no option to not find a way 
there's multiple options to move forward, but there's no option to retreat. Yeah. yeah. Advance. Don't retreat. Advance. Reload. Onward. Advance. Onward we go. <laughs> yes. Very good. Well, thanks for making the time for okay. us, man. And again, I appreciate you sending the work up because it's truly a pleasure to work with. Yeah, I can't wait to see what you guys do with it. Yeah, we'll have some yeah. goodness for yeah, you. There'll be some pictures yeah, be some from this pictures. weekend. Yeah, you better believe it. Tell Christine Sweet. and the fam hello for us. Yeah, and, and give Taft my uh, arm wrestling love. Yeah, uh, boom. All about it. He's gonna yeah. he's gonna give you Just, not quite a run for your money next time, but he's gonna be uh, I think more in the battle. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Right on, yeah. man. Take care. All right. Okay. Thanks, John. Peace. See you, Jonathan. Bye.